Hello and welcome to The HOA Show, where we discuss the news, problems, trends, and critical issues relating to life in a homeowner association. Join us every episode, and together we'll explore how to survive and thrive in the dizzying world of HOAs. Hello, and welcome to The HOA Show. I'm your host, Ryan Gazelle, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the trouble with quorum. I'm joined today by attorney Matt Ober, our partner at Richardson Ober LLP. Matt's firm specializes in community associations, and he's been doing this for more than three decades. He's a member of CAI's national faculty, a CACM faculty member, and a fellow of CAI's College of Community Association Lawyers, as well as its past president. He's a delegate emeritus to CAI's CLAC, the California Legislative Action Committee, and currently serves on CAI's National Government and Public Affairs Committee. Basically, he's very much involved in community associations. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, let's talk about quorum. First off, what is a quorum? Quorum is a scary word that still many people struggle with, but it's the percentage of members required in order to convene a meeting of the members when discussing in terms of the membership of the community. It also refers to board of directors. You need a quorum of the board for there to be a board meeting. But in the context of your question, it's membership. So it's kind of like the majority that you need? It's the percentage. You could have 50%, more than 50%, a majority of the members, but it's generally the minimum number of members required in order to convene a meeting. And it could be in the case of an election, for example, you would have present by proxy, by ballot, or in person. Perfect. And why do so many associations have so much trouble reaching quorum for really anything? Board elections, changes to the governing documents? It's a favorite question of mine. And there are, as you can understand, several reasons that I believe communities struggle with quorum. The easy one is apathy. That's the one everybody likes to lean on to say, nobody cares, nobody wants to do anything. They want to come home from work, go to their kid's soccer game, pull into the garage and shut the door. But apathy or lack of interest is probably the biggest issue. I like to really look at communication between the board and the homeowners the importance of governance, what they bought into, why we need them there at these meetings, what happens at these meetings. And it doesn't require much, but it has to be throughout the year. So you can't wake up in January and say, we're having an annual meeting and board elections, and now it's probably 90 days with notice and whatnot. But you've got to bring people along in the discussion in order to have them come to the party. And so communication is a big issue. There's a distrust. If there's a lack of communication, a lack of transparency, there's a distrust. I don't need to be a part of that. I don't know what they're doing. If I go, they'll put me on a committee. So there's sort of an uncomfortable relationship there sometimes where owners don't feel connected. I think lack of education and understanding of the process why the members' participation is important, who they're electing. So many members really have no idea who their board is, what the board does, how the board affects them. And I think finally, we've got a large number of offsite owners who maybe rent out their lots or their residences or their units. And so there's disinterest there. 
their interest only in the value of their property and things that affect the value and not really engaging. But the interesting thing is the value is often tied to who your leadership is. So again, education and communication would help there. But if you're uh, going to try to get a vote from the membership to change the rental guidelines or something, then all of a sudden they're very much interested. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the way to get the offsite. Or if you hit them with assessment increase, you'll get some attention that way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the quorum requirements for every community differ. It's whatever is in the CCNRs, correct? Correct. In general. So your bylaws are going to contain your quorum for membership and board meetings, and they will set the number. In the rare case, and I'm talking seriously rare, where there is no quorum, then your corporation's code requires a minimum of a third. But in the large majority of cases in modern times, it's set by the bylaws. And again, it's going to be either 50%, 50% plus one, or more than 50%. Is what you're going to see, unless it's been amended. And we're in modern times, in the current wave of thinking, we're seeing bylaw amendments that either remove quorum requirements or reduce them to 10, 20%, and oftentimes 30%. So it is possible to remove the quorum requirement in the bylaws. It is. And there's, as you can understand in this industry, sort of a split of thought on that or differing opinions. Many communities are mending out quorum altogether for director elections to say that the number of people present by proxy, in person, and by ballot constitutes quorum. So you can have one person show up and to them, you know, we can open ballots. The problem with that or the concern about that is that you have a small minority controlling what happens at those meetings and who the leadership is. So we often hear the idea of cronyism and and boards that have been in place for years. And without a quorum requirement, you don't have the requirement of membership attending and getting membership there to make a decision. So it depends on the communities, the temperament of the communities. I think some quorum is, is a good thing. And do you need a quorum in order to vote to remove the quorum requirement? That's a great question. It's not a quorum. What it is, is an amendment percentage. And very often, boards or members are confused by those concepts, thinking they need quorum in order to amend the governing document. Both the CCNRs, the bylaws contain their own amendment provisions. So your bylaw may be amended with a two-thirds vote or a 51% vote or a majority of a quorum, if you've got that kind of provision, or a majority of the members, rather. So it's a different number than quorum, and you'll have a provision for quorum, and you'll have a provision in order to amend the bylaws. But you're still going to need, the irony there, is you're still going to need probably at least the number that you would need for quorum in order to amend it for a lower quorum. So you need those apathetic voters to get involved enough to approve their own apathy. Right. And and so imagine trying to go to your members and say, we want you to approve 
bylaw amendment that reduces the number of people required to come to meetings so that we could govern, conduct business on an annual basis and elect new directors. And they're just going to look at you. Why would I do that? And presumably, the reason that folks would want to lower the quorum requirement or get rid of the quorum requirement is because it is notoriously so difficult to actually achieve a quorum when you're trying to get a vote passed on anything. Is that correct? Correct. So the idea is that, particularly with director elections, and I focused on that because that to me is the importance here, is that the association has a democratic process in place to elect its leaders. And if you can't convene an an annual meeting, you can still get the word out, get the message out. You can have a president's message, an update, a financial, you still have your financial disclosures. But electing directors is critical to the fair governance process. And if you don't have the tools to be able to convene some sort of a meeting to elect directors, You've got the same people sitting in those seats year after year and probably either despising the fact that they're stuck in that position or ending up resigning. So when we eliminate quorum, my preference is to do it. If you do it at all, you do it in the case of membership meetings to elect directors. Okay. Let's say a community wanted to do that amend the governing documents so that they can change the requirements for quorum. What does that process look like? Is it uh, long? Is it expensive? That's a depends question, right? Which is lawyer's favorite answer, but it doesn't have to be expensive. And, And what I mean is you can do an amendment to the bylaws instead of a complete restatement where you're just picking out the quorum provision and reducing that number. So the drafting of that provision isn't relatively costly. The expense here is in terms of the effort, because you've got to get to your members and explain to them, we're trying to reduce the number of people that have to be present or attend or vote in order to conduct business of the association. That may be a campaign. That may be education. That may be door-to-door, that may be banners or signs in your communities, vote to amend the bylaws. And it's a process. And part of the difficulty, and if I'm birdwalking, stop me, is that directors in a vacuum will meet and decide, we're going to amend and we're going to do this. And then they just send it out to the members and say, please vote, your vote's due in 30 days. You've got to bring members along in the process from the beginning of the journey. So that they understand, hey, this is happening. We're looking at an amendment to the bylaws, and here's why. And that at each board meeting or each newsletter or each opportunity, you communicate to them, here's the status of our bylaw amendment. Look for this in the mail in the next 60 days. Use social media if you have it so that you can remind people that this is happening. And then you go to vote and hopefully you get the requisite number in order to pass the amendment. There is sort of this interesting, not very well-known section of the Corporations Code. And for those that are unfamiliar, Corporations Code does apply to community associations as well. And there are opportunities where the Civil Code doesn't speak to the issue. And so you, you can look to the Corporations Code. 
One of the sections, and I don't want to get into it being a numbers geek, is 7515, which allows the association to petition the court, the superior court, if for any reason it is impractical or unduly difficult for the association to call or conduct a meeting of its members. And the court can issue an order and dispense with any requirement relating to holding of or voting of meetings or obtaining votes. So you can say to the court, we want to have our annual meeting and membership election. We can't get quorum. We've tried three years in a row. We want an order allowing us to convene and to convene with the number of members present and be able to elect directors. So that is a process that's a little more costly, but it is a process that is available and, and I don't think very widely used. I've heard of associations going to court like that uh, when they're unable to reach a quorum. How many attempts would you say would be reasonable before you have to turn to the court option? Great question. And it relates to these adjourned meetings and the, the passage of, of the new legislation that I assume we'll get to. You have to look at your bylaws and look to see if you have an adjourned meeting provision, which says that in the event quorum is not achieved, the members may adjourn to a date in the future, usually it's between five and 30 days, at which time quorum shall be 25% or whatever the number is. That is sort of the guidepost that says we've got to try one more time. But the issue there is the members have to make that motion to adjourn to another date. And if they don't, you're done, in a sense. My view is you got to try again because that furthers the democratic process and allows governance. And you can then say, you know, we tried once to adjourn to another meeting. We did not make quorum on the second try. You can also obtain more ballots or get more people to respond or issue proxies within that adjournment period. So I think it's a good idea to do it at least once. All right. So you mentioned it, and I think uh, it's important we talk about it. What is the new legislation that's being passed? It's Assembly Bill 1458, correct? 1458. And in my humble opinion, I think this is a huge win for associations. And we've been working on this, we being CLAC, since 2010. Wow. And in 2010, we introduced legislation and took it all the way to the finish line. And it was on Governor Schwarzenegger's desk, and he vetoed it. And what he vetoed was similar language that provided for a reduced quorum when an association did not otherwise have a reduced quorum number in its bylaws. And the reason he vetoed it back then, it was different times, obviously, was he thought it was micromanagement in that. The irony is his message was if the association wants to reduce its quorum, it can amend its bylaws, which is exactly what we were just talking about, the difficulty in doing that. So there is sort of an absurd response and one that we didn't expect out of that governor. So we decided to dust that off this year, and we drafted the amendment to the civil code 
if you're dusting it off, would you say that you're telling Mr. Schwarzenegger, we'll bring it back? <laughs> well done. I couldn't resist. I'm well sorry. done. We thought we'd take a shot with a different governor, but in a time where we're seeing, well, first of all, there's greater awareness of community associations in 2023 than there was in 2010. And the view in 2010 was, don't get into our business legislature. Let us handle our own business. And so that was the climate back then. Now, of course, the legislature is in everything HOAs do right now. And we also saw movement on some of the legislation in years past where, where it looked like the legislature is being a little bit more flexible and there's more of a compromise going on. And that's really in order to get legislation passed today, you have to compromise. You can't go in my way or the highway. So we introduced the legislation and we got sponsor for the bill and a great team and a task force that worked really diligently to hone the language so that it wouldn't be offensive to the opposition. And we did start out with that magic quorum language that said, for election of directors, the number of people present shall constitute quorum. And that obviously changed because the law that was passed allows for a quorum of 20% unless the bylaws of your community already provide for a lesser percentage. So was the 20% a concession for a particular entity that was arguing against the bill? Yes and no. So interestingly, when, when CLAC introduces legislation, it doesn't do it in a vacuum and it engages a chapter level input. So we have lax legislative action committees at every chapter and they speak and interact with the chapter members. So we share the language with them and we got feedback that for the reasons I indicated earlier, some of the chapter members felt that not having a quorum is going to lead to cronyism because you can have, you know, Joe Smith show up and decide who's going to be on the board. And that in order to have a stake in the outcome, you needed to have some number to get people to attend and participate and engage. And it was a debate. And we came up with, I believe it was 10% instead of whoever shows up. And through the drafting process and the judicial council and the opposition, the number agreed upon was 20. That seemed to be the, the level barometer. And it worked. So in your experience, because I know you've worked with thousands of community associations trying to, to reach quorum, 20% is an attainable number, would you say? On a reduced quorum. So you still have to shoot for whatever's in your bylaws as your first go around. But if you don't achieve that, you have the option of adjourning to a reduced quorum of 20%. And it's, it's really of benefit for those, you know, we like to talk about small communities that really don't, can't afford a lot of these, you know, big ticket items and amending the documents is too costly. So this is sort of a one size fits all, but it really addresses those communities that do not have updated governing documents and do not have reduced quorum. 
because they can at least do business by getting 20% of the members to vote, to be present, or to give a proxy. And this would eliminate the need to go to court in most cases. Correct. You can conduct business. One of the driving forces behind the campaigning for the bill was the acclamation statute, Civil Code 5103, that allows acclamation if you have less candidates than or equal candidates to the number of seats, but you have to hold a membership meeting to elect directors once every three years. So the argument was, we need help to have this membership meeting once every three years by having a reduced quorum. So we used last year's legislation to dovetail off of and allow for the passage of this year's legislation. So that was part of the strategy. This will go into law the new year, January 1st, 2024. January 1, 2024, correct. And do you feel that this bill solves most of the challenges that uh, many communities have with quorum? No. And I say that because you still have to get people engaged. And if you're an eight-unit condominium association, and you find 20% to 10, yes. But if you're an 800 or a 4,000 lot community, 20% is a heavy, heavy lift. And it doesn't solve the problem. And I, I don't want to get preachy, but people have to understand they bought into a community that is governed by a board and requires community involvement and engagement in that process. That puts the burden, I think, on leadership and management to get people engaged. So that problem still exists. And I think we need to focus on how do we get people there? Do we do a pet parade and annual meeting at the same time? Everybody's got a pet or loves pets and they love to parade their pets, wine and cheese. There are ways to build that engagement and get people to maybe want to attend, not just begrudgingly attend. So the the root problem, it sounds like you're saying, is the apathy. And it's not something that we can ignore despite this new tool that communities and boards have at their disposal to bypass quorum on the second attempt. Uh, the first, it, it doesn't fix the problem of the apathy, right? Correct. Apathy is going to be there. and. You know, I don't like to blame it only on apathy. It's people are just stretched really thin. Sure. And I'm going to either help my son with his science project or go to the board meeting or go to the annual meeting. Right. I can't do both and I can't do everything and then also make dinner or, you know, finish my work or whatever the issue is. And if we're working from home, it's the same kind of things. And if there's activities after school. so. We've got to make it easier for members to attend not just their membership meeting, but their board meetings. And I think the the virtual meeting legislation that passed that will go into effect in January is going to go a long way toward making that happen because you can be at your table working on your son's science project and also log into the meeting. And so we might get more engagement that way, 
That makes a lot of sense because I, I know that for most communities, they don't have a a clubhouse uh, or a good spot for people to gather. A lot of communities do have their meetings offsite at a, a local library or something along those lines, a room that they can rent at the church. And if you have to drive somewhere, then that's definitely going to impact your potential to attend. Right. Absolutely. And there's a lot to be said about the disconnection that a virtual meeting provides or allows for, especially when people don't have their cameras on. But I think giving people the opportunity to at least join in and engage them that way is at least it's a good beginning. It's a good beginning and it gets people to maybe understand, oh, this is what you guys do. Oh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, I'd like to be on that committee. So I think that will help on the apathy side. And just for clarity's sake, this new bill, 1458, does it allow for reduced quorum of 20% for anything that is quorum related in the governing documents? For purposes of election of directors. Okay. So just for purposes of election of directors, not for a CCNR amendment. Correct. So the CCNR amendment, of course, you're going to use the percentage in your CCNR in order to amend it. I mean, the reality is communities have one meeting, and that's the annual meeting where you elect directors. And most that I'm familiar with, uh, association bylaws provide that election of directors is to take place at the annual meeting. So that's really where we saw the need. And sometimes when you're working on legislation and making improvements for communities, you don't want to bite off too much of the apple right off the bat. So if we were to go in and say for anything, quorum should be 10%, there may have been resistance to that. So we kept it small and just clean up. There's always clean up and there will be clean up and improvement. But like I said, you know, this year in particular, two huge wins for communities is the virtual meeting and the reduced quorum. Brilliant. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, in regards to quorum that we may have missed? Best practices going forward for a community? I think if I was going to underscore again, the best practices, it's to not wait for that annual meeting to decide to communicate with your members about the process and what's going on in your community. That constant communication with your members builds trust and builds interest and engagement, and that's going to get your people to your meeting. It's going to get them to vote on your amendments. It's going to get them to help with whatever campaign or process going on in your community. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for being our, our guest today. And thank you also for all of the work it sounds like you've put into CLAC trying to get this win for community associations. Only been 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping the hat. But, but good things sometimes take a long time to bring to fruition. So absolutely. It's my pleasure. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you on this important topic. Matt, where can our listeners go to reach out to you or learn more about your firm? Uh, they can log on to Row Attorneys, R-O-A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S dot com is our firm website or Matt at RoeAttorneys.com. Perfect. And we'll put a link uh, on the podcast website for your company as well. That's all we have today. As we end our episode, we'd like to remind our listeners that if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for topics you'd like to learn about, 
you can email us at feedback at hoashow.org. This particular topic was submitted to us from one of our listeners, so we do get to them. If you send them on to us, we will do our best. Join us next time on The HOA Show. To share or subscribe to The HOA Show, visit us at hoashow.org. There, you'll be able to listen to other episodes, find helpful resources relating to HOAs, provide feedback, submit questions, and check out other great stuff. The HOA Show podcast has been made possible by the contributions of Klein Agency insurance brokers, leaders in the community association industry. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast, its presenters and guests, do not constitute legal advice. For more information on how the topics in discussion apply to you, please consult with your own legal counsel.